0: Thank y'all so much. Go ahead and have a seat. It is so good to be with y'all tonight. My name is Ben Garrison. I am the North Campus Pastor at Christ Place. And so, Logan invited me to help kick off a new series, which I believe today is the kickoff of the new series. If not, then forgive me, but the series is called When in Doubt. And I think this is very cruel of him to name the series this because There are a lot of jokes that I have when it comes to when in doubt, and some of you know some of those jokes if you know me. If not, we're going to learn them a little bit later. And so we're talking about when in doubt, wrestling with some doubt that we have in our lives. And so what we're going to talk about tonight is the title of the sermon is called God's Plan, question mark. Now, just to show you how much older I am, apparently there is a song called God's Plan, And I did not know that when I wrote this sermon. So it has nothing to do with that song. We're not going to play the song tonight. And if it is a bad song, I apologize. I don't know. Who wrote it? Is it Kanye? Drake? Ben Garrison wrote it. I don't know who said that, but thank you. We can vote later. Anyway, so tonight is going to be called God's Plan. And here's the whole premise. Here's the big idea. Does God really have a plan for your life? Does God really have a plan for your life? Have you ever asked this question before? I know for myself, I've asked this question a hundred thousand times. Does God really have a plan for my life? And if you've never asked that question, you might have asked it in a different way. Here's some ways that you might have said this in your life or in your heart. Have you ever asked this? Or ever said this? I believe it's God's will for me to do whatever the following. We hear this a lot. I believe it's God's will for me to go and live in this place. I believe it's God's will for me to be a musician and sing on stage in front of people. I believe it's God's will for me to be a communicator, a preacher, a businessman, a doctor, a nurse, whatever. Some of you use this statement, especially when it comes to a significant other. You're like... Hey, is it really, it's God's will for me to marry you. I am called to marry you. God called me to do this. I bet some of you have even said this phrase in the last couple of weeks, especially when you're around family. I don't know about y'all, but whenever I was around my grandparents, I would always say spiritual things just to, to get on their good list. and be like, yeah, Papa, I feel like God's called me to do this. And we say this all the time, and the question is, does God really have a plan for your life? Sometimes you find yourself really wondering, okay, I've changed my manger 1,200 times, and every time it was God's plan. I've changed my dating scenario, my significant other, 1,200 times, and every time I've told a close friend of mine, it's God's will for me to marry them. Well, here's God's will number five, and we hope it sticks. And so I know in your life, as friends change, as careers will change, as dorms change, living situations, whatever you're going to do in your life, your focus, your major, your significant other, you're probably asking yourself, does God really have a plan for my life? Here's the truth that I want us all to hold on to tonight. God does have a plan for your life. God does have a plan for your life, okay? So if you learn anything from today, it is that God has a plan. Now, I am not some person that can read the future. I can't predict what God's plan is for you in the long term. But I do believe he has a plan for you today, and he has a plan for you tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. See, here's the truth. God's plan for us is actually simple. And it's right before our eyes. We can learn God's plan every day. But we go and we make things complicated. And if you're in the room tonight and you are not a believer and you are not. What do I mean by believer? Like what's this pastor saying? He's using all these words. Believer means if you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you live your life following Jesus. If that is not you tonight, you're going to be a little confused. Because this message is more towards those of you who say, hey, I follow Jesus. But if you're in the room and you're like, hey, does God have a plan for my life even if I don't know Jesus? Yes, and I would love to tell you about that. So come find me afterwards or I'll tell you at the end of this sermon what God's plan is for your life. But for the believers in this room, those that know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, God does have a plan for you and it's simple. But see, here's what happens. A number of us, maybe all of us, except for the Jesus jukers who are very spiritual in the room, including myself, not the Jesus juker, but I'm I'm with y'all that I believe sometimes the reason we make it so complicated is we get caught up in the Christian dream, okay? We take God's plan and what we think God's plan is, is actually the Christian dream. You've ever heard of the American dream? If not, I don't want to bore you with details, but we get caught up with the Christian dream. And here's what I mean by the Christian dream. Too many times, we as believers, we romanticize God's will for our life. We romanticize God's plan for our lives. See, a lot of times when we think and we sit down, we got a cup of coffee, we got a notebook, we got God's word maybe, it's probably closed, and we're like, God, what do you have planned for my life? As I'm planning my future, I'm going to be the next Charles Spurgeon. And there's some of you, there's some of us, When I was in seminary and when I was doing classes studying theology, let me tell you, a lot of people thought that God's plan for their life was to be the next Charles Spurgeon. If you don't know who that is, big time preacher. Some people thought, oh, I'm gonna be the next Billy Graham. Or I'm gonna be the next Lottie Moon. I'm gonna be the next big missionary. And they believed that God's plan for their life was they were gonna travel all over the world speaking on big stages taking cool pictures, experiencing cool things, all while showing the love of Jesus. They romanticized God's plan for their lives. They thought they were going to have the big stage, the big planes, the big churches, go to the dangerous countries, be the part of the next big nonprofit CEO. And I'm not saying those things can't happen. Please hear me. I'm not up here saying that God's plan for you later on in your life isn't to be one of those things. I pray to the Lord above we have the next Lottie Moon and Billy Graham in here. If you don't know who they are you should go research them because they're really cool people. But that is my prayer that we do have some of that in here. But we romanticize it. Let me give you a personal story. I get in big trouble when I do this but I'm just going to do it anyway. You know I don't really share these on Sunday. I do share them on Sundays and they still get me in trouble. So let me just tell you a personal story of how I romanticized God's plan for my life. How many of you have ever been on a mission trip? You can raise your hand. I'm not going to stone you. Yeah, raise your hand. It's okay. We're in this together. So I've been on a mission trip before. I've been on lots of mission trips, but I got to let you in on a little secret. I, for as long as I can remember, back when I was probably five years old, I remember a preacher standing in my church growing up saying, some of you are called to go overseas in missions. And I told the Lord in that moment, I was five years old, I didn't know I could really talk to the Lord, but I said, Lord, if you can hear me, I am never going to do mission work. I don't want to leave my family. I don't want to leave Georgia. I don't want to go anywhere. You can leave that for the birds or maybe send Mitchell. No one likes him. Send him over there. But I'm not doing, if your name's Mitchell, I'm so sorry. But I got a buddy named anyway. We don't need to go rabbit dead. So I told Jesus, I'm not going on a mission trip. I'm not going to do missions. You leave that for everybody else. And I told Jesus I wouldn't do ministry. And so then I found myself called into ministry. And and I remember when I got to college, I was going into my senior year, about to graduate. And I never went on an international mission trip. Now, I'd done several mission trips in the the United States. I'd been to several states, did disaster relief, shared the gospel. But I'd never been overseas. Because in my mind, there was a line. I'm not going overseas. I'm not. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm kind of scared. What if the Lord calls me over there? I don't want to entertain it. Mitchell's over there. I don't want to see him. And so I'm like, Lord, no. Well, I started dating a girl in college. There's always a girl. And she said to me, God has called me to be a missionary. And what if God has called you and me on the mission field and no lie she said this as we were walking outside amongst the stars and I looked up and the wind blew my hair and I'm like am I called <laughs> and I started to wonder because I thought I was supposed to go into ministry I was going to be a youth pastor other than that I didn't know what I was like Lord whatever take my life do it I said yes put my yes on the table and so we're walking she's like you need to sign up to Thailand because I'm going to Thailand too and we were dating, and it's like puppy love. And you're like, okay, I'll do this. I'll, I'll, I'll get in this boat. So I signed up for Thailand. Then I figured out it was a month-long trip. So we were going to Thailand for a month. This was going to be the second time riding on an airplane for me, going out of the United States. And just to make matters worse, the week before, no, about the month, about month leading up to it, a few weeks before, Me and her break up. Yeah, where's God's plan now? (laughs) I want a refund. And so I'm sitting there. And this is back in the day where like Instagram just came around. I'm looking at Instagram. and I'm like, wow, is he going to Thailand too? I mean, are they called to be missionaries together? Like, is he going to show up? What's going to happen? And so we end up on the trip together. Homeboy didn't go. He stayed home. And so we're on the trip. And while we are in the field of an orphanage, digging holes to plant food for orphans. The sun was setting behind me. I have this garden tool, and I'm digging in the ground because there was nothing electric, gas-powered. It was like pieces of wood with like sharp stuff on the end. And so we're just preparing this land. She looks up at me and says, I love you. And I said, oh, somebody's calling me. Um, I thought it might be hurting off no, skin. I got really nervous then. She said, she said, that's such a bad idea. She said, I think I, I, think I love you. No, no, I love you. And as I'm standing there in, in Thailand and the sun's setting and the wind's blowing and I'm digging dirt and the orphans are running to me, I'm like, this is God's will. This is God's plan. And so we get back together on and off for a couple couple more years, and we go on another mission trip, another mission trip to Haiti. And we again are at a a school slash orphanage where this couple with their young kids, they, they lived amongst the people of Haiti. And she tells me in the field of Haiti that, what if God has called us to come here and do this? I'm like homegirl what (laughs) like and but I started I'm like "Mm, could we move to Haiti I think I can learn Haitian Creole I think I could do this and it's because listen I started romanticizing in my mind what God's plan for me was I started to think man God's plan is we have this incredible love story hallmark who look at us we got together we broke up we told each other we loved each other in Thailand, and now we live in another third world country raising orphans. Yes, this is God's plan. It wasn't God's plan. She's a firefighter now. Yeah, and I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor, and I'm I'm married to my best friend who, who God had a plan for my life, and it had nothing to do with that, but I wasted three years of my life because I romanticized God's plan for my life and I was chasing the plan of tomorrow while ignoring God's plan of today. And a lot of times we do this, especially in your age demographic, you cannot wait to see the great plan that God has for you 10 years down the road. And what we do is we're like, hey, yeah, God's called me to do this and this is where I'm going to be in five years. In 10 years. Oh, cool. Where are you going to be next month? I have no idea. I'm, I'm hopping from house to house, sleeping on couches. I don't even know where I'm at. And the reality is, is we are ignoring today for tomorrow. And God never promised us tomorrow. All throughout scripture, we see that our life is but a vapor. Gone. And so how can we live and focus on God's plan without romanticizing it? And don't leave me up here alone. This stage is intimidating in and of itself. I know you've been where I've been. And there's probably some couple in here that talked about how it was God's will for them to get married last night. And I'm sorry. I don't mean to cause a fight. But if you break up tonight, God's got a plan. Okay? He does. So what is God's plan for our lives? Okay? Okay? We're gonna hop from a few passages. I wish we had enough time or, or I could just open up one passage and, and really dig deep. But tonight's series with the sermon really calls us to jump around to give you a picture from scripture, okay? Now, I'm not gonna do it justice, okay? So when you go back to your apartment, house, dorm room, whatever you live in, I would love for you to do your own research throughout scripture, okay? I always encourage people to dive into scripture themselves. And I would love to talk to you about what God has revealed to you. But let's talk about God's plan. Because God's plan for you today will lead you to his plan for you tomorrow. Every person that I know that has ended up being on the mission field, doing incredible things for God, that has ended up doing something incredible with their business, being a doctor or, or leading a church, pastoring, they all started with God's plan for them today. And let me just go ahead and tell you, God's plan for you today, for some of you, you're gonna be like, really? That's it? Really? That's boring. And if that's your attitude towards it, that's your red flag that you've got a heart problem. Because that's where I was at. When I looked at God's plan for me for today, I said, really? Bro, I got, I got things I could be doing right now like tell me tell me something that's going to break through like am i supposed to marry this girl or not am i supposed to move to thailand or not like don't tell me this boring stuff but this boring stuff is what will lead you to the breakthrough okay so the first thing for us today and god's plan for you today is this know him the first thing that god has for you his plan for you today it's not some big mystery it's actually very simple it's for you to know him Let's look at a couple verses from Scripture. Matthew six thirty three, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 33. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Philippians 3.8. Indeed, this is Paul talking. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish so that in order I may gain Christ. All throughout scripture, I can keep reading how God tells us to know him. And through, all throughout, throughout Psalms and Proverbs, spend time in God's word. Get to know God. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our shelter, strong tower. Get to know God. And when I say get to know God, let's, let's break that open a little bit. What does that mean? One, it means to know his word. That's not going to be on the screen. You just got to write it down. So in order to know him We must know his word. We also must know his will. We must know his church. We must know his character. See, there's a lot of times where we want to ignore who God is. And we want to ignore his word. Yet we want to know his plan for our lives. This right here will show you God's plan for your life. And his plan is for you to know him. And it's a relationship. And he wants you to know him in his word and know him in prayer. That's the first step of God's plan for you. Here's what I found helpful in my life, okay? It's just very practical for you. There are many times, and it doesn't change the older you get, okay? The older you get, you will still have times like, okay, is God working? Is he moving? Is he leading me to do this? Is this God's plan? And you start to dream, you start to think. You're like, God, I need this. God, I need that. And I always go back and ask myself, okay, am I taking time to know God in this season of my life? Because if I'm not close to God, how can I hear his plan for my life? If there's one thing that is true throughout Scripture is he calls us to know him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's a relationship. Now here's the second thing of God's plan. We're just going to hit these quickly and then move on. The second thing in God's plan is he calls us to be holy. So not only does God call us to know him, but he calls us to be holy. Look at these passages of scripture. First 1 Peter 1:13 1, through 16. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, what does this mean when we say be holy? It does not mean you walk around. Ah, ah. Is that the Little Mermaid? I, in my head, I was doing the Halo theme song, and it came out the Little Mermaid. I have toddlers at home. Okay, okay. What's the Halo one? Oh. Anyway, okay. I really do have ADD, ADHD, whatever. Okay. Being holy means you are set apart. This means that you have been called out of sin and God is setting apart a people for himself. That you are to stand out in this world, in this culture. What does that mean? That means the world lives according to the flesh and desires. And once you are saved, you get the Holy Spirit inside of you. And he is setting you apart. He is sanctifying you. He is pulling you apart from the world that you are to reject what is wrong, what is sinful, what is evil. There should be a difference in how you live now and how you lived before you met Jesus. Now, now listen to me. We still have sinful tendencies, okay? The old Benny G still lives in my heart. If you don't know who that is, that's my rapper name. Look me up on YouTube, I'm there. Anyway, actually, please don't do that. So the old... Benjamin is still inside of me. I am sinful. But ever since Christ came into my life, he puts this desire in my heart to be holy. Not only the desire, but also the strength to be holy. See, holy living comes out of a holy desire. And when we are saved and we spend time with God and we know him, he gives us a holy desire. You're called to be holy. As you wait for that grand plan that will unveil itself at some point when God is ready. He is going to use you. In the meantime, you are called to be holy. To be set apart. Now, in what areas are we called to be holy? Let's get a little awkward in here. And let's step on some toes. Look what it says in First Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to read a couple verses that are not on the screen, then we'll get into the verses, okay? I'm going to start in verse 1, if you've got your Bibles, your Bibles. Anyway, I don't know if that's a word. Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more, for you know that what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God. You didn't know the will of God's in the Bible. There it is. For this is the will of God. that You, your sanctification, that you would abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no, one trans- that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. What does this mean? It means when in doubt, don't make out. That's what this means. It means that you are called to be holy with your bodies. And you are to abstain from sexual immorality. You are to abstain from coerced talk, from perverted talk. How you conduct yourself should be in the honor of Christ Jesus and for his glory. Even how you treat people that tick you off. See, all of us struggle with different things. Some of you in this room If not all of us, we're going to struggle with the sexual immorality and some of us will struggle more so than others. And there's a hundred different ways with our flesh and in this world that we struggle with that. But there's other ways that we cannot be holy in how we talk, in how we treat people. Me, myself, I got a temper. And I can become unholy really, really quick, especially in competitive things, And traffic, if you're just annoying, I could just get really, really frustrated like, okay, I'm ready to eat. Leave me alone. But that's not how God has called me to live my life. He has called me to be set apart. And it's an all-encompassing call for you. Here's where we get in trouble. God hasn't called us to happiness he has called us to holiness. He is setting apart a people for himself that he will take to heaven for all eternity. And we believe in the Christian dream that God's purpose for my life is my happiness. Bah humbug! I don't know why I said that. It's not! What God has called for you to do is not to be happy. It's to be Holy. God's plan for our life is to be sanctified. What does that mean? What does that big word mean? It means that each and every day, the Holy Spirit works in our hearts to make us look more like Jesus. That's what that means. And so God's plan for our life is for us to be holy. And here's the truth. If if you're sitting there going, well, am I going to be miserable when God calls me to be holy? Sometimes you will find yourself in a situation that that's not fun. And we have to remind ourselves that that Scripture doesn't tell us that God's plan for us is, is happiness and comfort. It's not. Scripture's plan and God's plan for our life is not happiness. Actually, there's a lot of trials that are ahead. And God calls us to be holy, but when we are holy in these moments our holiness will lead to happiness because we will find joy that is in the Father and in the Son and in the Holy Spirit. It's how you find these people that are in ridiculously terrible situations that are believers. And you're like, how are you still smiling? It's because they know Jesus. They know him. And they're walking in holiness. See, they're set apart because when you see them, you know they're different. I'm not talking about the fake holy that's like, oh, yeah, I'm really good you know, whatever. Jesus juking all over the place. No, no, no. I'm talking about the people that are going through it and have the joy of the Lord. is because they're set apart. So God's plan for your life is for you to know him and to be holy. And as we're going through this checklist, if you got an ex with these two, don't even think about what God's plan for you is in 10 years. I mean, think about something. Don't just sit there and be lazy. I mean, yes, say, God, what do you want from me? But you got to get this right. Because if you don't get this right, you're not going to hear God correctly. All you're going to hear is your desires. Because the enemy and our flesh are so good at saying, yes, this is God's plan. When I was on the Bachelor of Thailand, whatever you want to call it, Bachelorette of Thailand, when I was in this moment where I thought, is this God's plan? Do you know how much time I was spending with God? Do you know how much time I was spending with God? <clears throat> Hardly any. The only prayers I was throwing up was like, "Lord, is this a sign? shall I propose today?" Those were the only prayers I was throwing up because I was spending all of my time trying to figure out, "Is this God's plan for my life? Are we meant to be married? Are we going to own an orphanage? Am I going to live in Haiti?" And I wasn't even thinking about knowing God, knowing his word, knowing his will, knowing his character, knowing his church, knowing his people. And I wasn't trying to focus on being holy and set apart. Uh Uh-uh. I was trying to figure out, hey, how can I hold that person's hand? What if I kissed her in Thailand? I didn't. But that was my thought. And this is what happens to us each and every day. We're so distracted with what God's plan could be for our life that we're missing it today. And I'm going to make some applications and show you the bigger picture here in a second. But the last thing, and then we'll we'll try to land the plane. But the last thing that God calls us to do, he tells us to know him, to be holy. He tells us to faithfully invest. Faithfully invest. I'm going to try to tell you this story really, really quick This is a parable in scripture. It's one of my favorite. If you've been around me for any length of time, you've probably heard me share this at some point or I might have taught a sermon on it, but it's really one of my favorite ones. Uh, Jesus is telling this parable, okay? He tells the story of, of a master who owned, a king that owned a bunch of stuff. He owned land, gold, whatever, gold, silver, he had it all. And he called to himself three servants and he gave to his servants possessions. And he said, go, invest, and one day he was going to come back and settle the accounts. Let's read it real quick, and then we'll make some applications. Verse 14, for it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and trusted them to his property. To one, he gave five talents. To another one, he gave two talents, and to another one, he gave one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more talents. So also he who had the two talents made two more, and he who had received the one talent went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. So let me just kind of break this down for you. There's three servants, right? And the man says, hey, here's five talents, here's two talents, here's one talent. All according to their abilities. If you notice in verse 14, it says, And it will be like a man. So what will be like it? This is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven will be like this. And it's talking about when we are saved, Jesus entrusts to us gifts, talents, abilities, and resources to invest for the kingdom of God. Right? And so in this story, he gives five, two, and one. Each according to their own ability. And a lot of us, we get upset because we get kind of jealous of people that have five talents. Or we get jealous if we have the one talent, like, well, you gave them two talents. Or where's my talents? You gave them five talents. Where's my five talents? And we get so distracted that we're not faithful. And so in this story, I want you to see, don't be fighting about people's talents. Focus on what God has given you and faithfully invest it. What gifts, talents, and resources has God given you to invest the kingdom. And so he tells these servants, they go and they they invest it. And I want you to see what happens. But he, verse 19, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. That means the day of reckoning came. So believers in the room, Jesus is coming back and he's going to settle accounts with you, how he, how you use the gifts he gave you. So he comes back and he settles accounts with them. And he came to the one who had five talents, and the one who had five talents, bringing five talents more, saying, "'Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five more talents.' His master said to him, "'Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master,' verse 22. And he also who had two talents came forward, saying, "'Master, you delivered to me two talents.' Here, I've made two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I want you to know something here. Between the five talent and two talent, it wasn't how much they made. It wasn't the return on investment. What mattered to the master? Did you catch that phrase? Well done, good and faithful servant, you were faithful over a little, now enter into the joy of your master. It doesn't matter the return on the investment that God has given you. What matters is if you are faithful today with what God has given you. Let me ask you a question. If the rapture were to happen right now, what does that mean? If Jesus were to come back and we were all poof, I hope it'll be the whole room. It'd be awesome. We go to heaven. Would you hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant? Have you been investing faithfully what God has given you? Or did you do like the one talent servant who dug a hole, put it in the ground? And do you know what that servant's called? He's called the wicked servant. Students, don't don't miss this. Each and every day, we we have a choice. We can either be a faithful servant or a wicked servant. And when it comes to God's plan for our lives, and it comes to God's will for our life, his plan for you is to invest today. And you're like, well, Pastor Ben, I don't even know what I can invest in. What, What do you mean by that? God has given you abilities. He's given you a social circle. He's given you talents. He's given you a spiritual gift to get involved and make a difference for the kingdom here. You don't got to be a big time preacher. You ain't got to be a big time missionary. God has given you exactly what He wanted to give you today. So get plugged into a church and invest in people. Get plugged into that student life or the, the people in this room, in that group, and invest in people. Go serve. Use the gifts that God has given you. If you can sing, sing for Jesus. If you can make friends, make friends for Jesus. If you can cook, cook for Jesus. I don't know how, but do it. Faithfully invest in what God has given you. Let me give you an example. This past week, I had to go back home, and I attended the funeral of my uncle. He had a massive heart attack, and, you know, he was still young in life, and it was a very sad time for me and my family, and we got to spend time with family. And I got back yesterday. During the viewing, a thousand people showed up to this man's viewing. A thousand. And it came out that from him and my aunt and the investment that they made, there were 10 plus full-time staff members at churches because of their investments. Thousand plus people coming. People crying, talking about how they impacted their life for the gospel. All of his grandkids got up and sang worship songs, quoted scripture. And do you know what this man's profession was? He was a mailman for 43 years. He drove a mail truck. And on his route, he had postal service workers show up. He had widows that he would take care of on his route show up. He impacted thousands Of people. Why? Because he knew God's plan for his life. He had scripture quoted at his funeral. He knew God. Do you know his last words to his son last Friday was? God is good and Jesus still loves me. He's got me. Those were his last words. God is still good. Jesus still loves me and he's got me. He knew God's plan. He knew God. And he had set his life apart through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what else did he do? He faithfully invested what God had given him. He faithfully invested. He shared the gospel. He loved others. He served others. He got involved in the church and he served the church. Do you know what he did in the church? Not only was he part of a small group, he was a cameraman. He just... Pointed to the camera wherever it needed to go. And hundreds of people from that church showed up because they knew. They knew Gary. They knew he was going to be there. And they knew he would pray for them. They knew that he loved him, loved them, and that he loved his family. Students, just don't miss this. You can make a kingdom impact through the power of the Holy Spirit today. And some of y'all are waiting for a stage. Some of y'all are waiting for a plane. Some of you are waiting for an invitation and God's saying, if you just knew me and if you were just holy and if you would just faithfully invest, we could do some stuff today. Faithfully invest. So, so in, in conclusion, I just want to kind of read a few truth statements to you and then ask three questions and we're going to be done. So this is the end. Don't worry. We're almost done. Some truth statements. God's plan for our life is found when our plan for our life is forgotten. I'm gonna say that again. God's plan for our life is found when our plan for our life is forgotten. Check your motives, students. Are you chasing after God's plan for your life? Or are you chasing after your plan for your life? Don't make me bring out the Thailand story again. I was chasing my plans. Whose plan are you chasing? Have a desire to do God's will, not just to see God's will. Some of you, even if God showed you his plan for your life, you wouldn't do it. You're too lazy. You just wouldn't. There must be a difference in seeing God's will and actually doing God's will. The will of God is not that you be happy, it's that you be holy. We already knew that one. Holiness will lead to happiness. We tend to seek God's will and plan in the pivotal decisions of our life, but how come we ignore it in our daily lives? Have you ever wondered that? In the pivotal and big decisions of our life, we seek God's will and His plan. But in the day to day, we're like, man, forget that. It ain't a job interview, it ain't going overseas, it's not whatever my career is going to be. We must seek God's will and plan in our daily lives. Last one, and then I'm gonna ask three questions and be done. How can we say we have faith to go here and to do this, but we don't have enough faith? to get into our Bibles and apply it. I didn't say that. That was, one of the, that was one of those old-timey theologians. He said, how can we say that we have faith if God was to send us here or send us there or call us to do this or call us to do that, but we don't have enough faith to open up our Bibles, to read it, and to apply it? Three questions, and we're done. What steps do you need to take in your life right now to know God better? That's the first question. What steps do you need to take Do you get plugged into a church? Do you need to start setting up a time to read? Do you need to pray more? What are those steps in your life right now that you could go home tonight and do to know God better? What steps do you need to take to be holy and set apart? Maybe tonight you need to repent of some sin. Here's the good news. Jesus will forgive you. If you've been making out too much, Jesus will forgive you. If you've been angry too much, Jesus will forgive you. If you've been a bully, a turd, whatever, Jesus will forgive you. What steps do you need to take to be holy tonight? And then what steps do you need to take to faithfully invest? Do you need to plug into a church? Do you need to serve in kids' ministry? Do you need to serve in the worship ministry? Do you need to get plugged in with with Revive Here or or whatever you can do across campus? What steps do you need to do to faithfully invest? Because here is a resounding thing that's been ringing in my head for the past, I don't know, 24 hours. It has haunted me. I said, who's going to show up at my funeral and what are they going to say? Like who's going to show up when I croak? And I hope it's no time soon. So if I do die like tonight or tomorrow, y'all better come. I better see y'all there. Y'all better pack that place out. And if you don't even know me, just get up and say something. Just say, man, mm. Pastor Ben went in doubt. So, but that's been ringing in my head for about 24 hours. Who's going to show up and what are they going to say? What are my sons going to say? What will my wife say to others? I want to be a man who has known God, who is a holy man, who is a godly man, who invested in others and in the kingdom. What steps do you need to take tonight to know God, to be holy, and to faithfully invest I'm going to leave it in time of prayer, and I'm going to let these guys who sing do their thing. That rhymed. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I pray that um, this has been a night that that has honored you. And Lord, if anything has brought truth before these students. Father, I I pray that, that as we leave tonight, that we would go and we would apply the Scripture that we have looked at. Father, instead of chasing this big idea of your plan for our lives, Let's go after the plan that you've shown us today. And that is for us to know you, to be holy and to faithfully invest. God, would you take our broken lives, would you take these empty vessels and would you use them for a gospel impact? You didn't call us to be happy. You called us to be holy. and You called us to invest in the work that you are doing. So Father, as we just spend time singing to you and praise in your name. I pray that you would reveal to us the steps that we need to personally take. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.